Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. So you've got a little sniffles and maybe you're a little congested. Maybe you had a fever and you have a cough. So what have you got? Is it RSV? Is it the flu? Is it COVID? Is it just a cold? Well, these days it's hard to know because some of the original symptoms of COVID were a little different than what people are experiencing, particularly if they've been vaccinated. So how do you know what type of infection you have and when to call your doctor? Well, today we are joined by Dr. Yogi Patel from Kaiser Permanente, and he is going to share with us as a family medicine specialist what he's been dealing with in his office and how he helps people to know when it's time to call him and how to know which particular infection they have. Dr. Patel, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Kozak. Thank you for having me on. Love the show, and uh, hopefully we can answer some questions and get some things going here. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time. I know it's a busy Monday, as it always is. We're about to continue with the holiday season coming around, literally around the corner, and people are gathering. You know, we have holiday parties now, and Sometimes, because it's been so far into the pandemic, we have our get-togethers and people don't feel they need to wear a mask. And in a lot of cases, that's true. But we haven't seen some of these other types of infections that we've been protected from the last couple of years. And now we're getting the symptoms back. So what are some of the common things that you're seeing in your office that people are experiencing that maybe they haven't in a few years? Right. So we are seeing a lot more people coming in with cold symptoms, upper respiratory infections, so runny noses, sniffles, coughs, congestion, headaches, body aches. And you mentioned the tridemic at the entrance of the show. And really, when people come in, they go, do I have this or do I have COVID? Do I have flu? Sometimes it's really hard to distinguish. And I say, well, I don't know what you have because some of these symptoms overlap quite significantly. So um, I tell patients, you know, if you're feeling sick, number one, stay at home. If you're feeling really sick, please give us a call. Um, And if you're really having a hard time breathing, we need to see you in the office or you need to go to the ER. Uh, A lot of these viruses are circulating. Obviously, the biggest one right now is still going to be influenza because we're starting our influenza season And then COVID is simmering, and RSV, we just had a peak of RSV in November, and we're starting to come down from that RSV peak. But um, you're right, it's hard to tell, and um, people aren't masking anymore, which is understandable. Two years of not seeing family, not seeing friends, not traveling, and then masking all the time. People are tired, and so... uh, we're all traveling now. We're all unmasking, so we're seeing a lot of these viruses just rear their heads again. Yeah. Well, certainly, I think that one of the first things you mentioned is if you're sick, stay home. And I'll tell you, in the last couple of years, the idea that if you're sick, you just grin and bear it and go to work and just cough and sniffle at the office, those days are over. These days, I think everybody has a good appreciation as to why you don't want to get other colleagues sick and or infected with whatever you have. So I do see that a lot more people are taking that first step of advice you mentioned. If you feel sick, you stay home. Pretty important to help spread infection of any kind. Is that right? That is correct. Any kind. So 
if you're sick, number one, stay at home. Don't feel bad about staying at home. We used to all feel bad, like even doctors. We're the worst. We'd come to work sniffling, achy, like I need to see my patients, and my patients rely on me. But you're going to transmit whatever you have to your patients. So uh, stay at home, call, call the advice nurse, call the doctor, send a message. through uh, At Kaiser, we can message each other. So patients send me messages all the time. Um, we want to keep you out of the clinic. We want to keep these appointments for uh, delayed care that we've been seeing a lot of folks who need care that they've been delaying. And to see a cold in, in the office, unless you're really short of breath, uh, is sort of a, an appointment that we don't need to um, use. So we can do that all virtually. So Let's talk a little bit about some of the home tests. You know, the other things that yeah. I think are fascinating is at the very beginning part of the pandemic, when we had a shortage of doing testing, it was it was something that wasn't happening very often. But some of the some of the plans on the mainland found that if you actually had people who were worried about getting the flu, even before we had home COVID tests, there were home flu tests and there were ways that people could test that for themselves so they could call their doctor and say, hey, I tested positive, maybe I need medicine. Then we saw a huge right. surge in that with COVID. So there are some home tests that are available out there. If you have someone who has some symptoms and they're really concerned and they want to know what to do, do you tell them to try some of those home kits? I do. So even here at Kaiser right now, we're still offering free home COVID antigen tests, right? You can get, I think, eight per month per member. And so when a person calls and says, I have a cold symptom, the first, one of the first questions I ask is, did you do a COVID antigen test at home? They, they'll say yes. But what I ask them to do is sequentially test because some of these antigen tests aren't very sensitive. And sometimes you have to test like once a day for three days before you really get an answer. And, and sometimes not every cold is COVID. So I ask them a lot of questions about travel I've seen a lot of people come back, and airports are a big hub for exchanging viruses. So I, I say, if you've traveled, uh, COVID is high on the list. And I look at their risk factors. So COVID, obviously, we all know disproportionately affected our elderly population, but it affects everyone of all ages. But the mortality was highest in our elderly population. And so I'll look at their risk factors and say, okay, we need to you know test for X, Y, and Z. And so... If I feel like, oh, we need to do a PCR test, we have a drive-through site here on Oahu and several drive-through sites on the neighbor islands that I'll say, hey, you go and get a drive-through COVID, uh, COVID and flu PCR combo. That's what we're going to right now because of the flu season and see what it says. Because if it's COVID, we can treat you if you have risk factors. If it's flu, we can treat you with Tamiflu. And um, the rest are all symptomatic management. So. Well, that's an important point to make is that there is always available over-the-counter medication. If you have fevers, you could take either aspirin if you're allowed to do that or Tylenol or ibuprofen. If you have a cough, there are some guaifenesin products. Robitussin is one of the common names. So there are some things that you can get that if you have symptoms, you can start using. Even if you're not sure if it's COVID or flu, if you don't feel that bad, you can go to pharmacies and get some of the symptom management, regardless of which particular infection it is. Now, if you're, I always find it interesting if you're if you're willing to stay home and you're willing and you live by yourself or you're, you're willing to quarantine, 
you know, you don't necessarily have to test to see if you have it if you're able to stay by yourself for five days because that's the current recommended quarantine for COVID. If you have flu, because there may be some treatment options available with Tamiflu, you may want to know if you have it. But if your symptoms aren't that bad, you know, the whole mantra of stay home while you're sick and treat your symptoms if you need to might just be what we need to go back to and sort of have people define if they're getting worse, what sort of home testing they want to do. I, I agree with that. And I think one of the unfortunate things of our sort of capitalism here is a lot of uh, employers have different requirements. So some require a negative antigen to come back to work. A lot of employers still require doctors to write word notes, right, for illnesses and things. So the number of word notes we get are quite overwhelming sometimes for these respiratory infections. So uh, I think uh, I agree that patients should stay at home, and I hope employers who are listening are more lenient and, and believe the employee rather than having the the physician or the provider be the middleman writing all these work notes for upper respiratory infections. So, I would agree with that. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Yogi Patel of Kaiser Permanente about what are some ways that you would know it's time to get checked out in the office or even the emergency room. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Yogi Patel on the line. He is a family medicine specialist at Kaiser Permanente, and we're talking about how to know if you have the cold or COVID or a flu or what's going on. Now, right before the break, we talked a little bit about, a little bit about some of the home testing kits available, and that's been something new. I think, truthfully, it makes perfect sense. You know, when I think back to the old days, you know, the 2019, early 2020 days, which just makes me feel even older. When I think back to the fact that we used to have people come in sick, infect the rest of the waiting room, potentially infect the physicians or their staff, and we weren't asking people who were coughing or sneezing to wear a mask, and we were requiring them to come to the office for treatment and work notes. Honestly, nowadays, that seems like crazy talk. We, we wouldn't want to do that, not just expose ourselves, but our staff or the other patients coming in the office. So I agree with you. I think we need to come up with a different plan other than requiring work notes because, you know, I'm going to trust my patients to say, hey, I was sick and I didn't want to give it to people and I stayed home. I think you're right, Dr. Patel. We need to have sort of a employer agreement that this is something that makes sense for everybody. But you mentioned that, you know, if you're feeling sick, you can you can contact your doctor maybe after you've done some of those home testing kits if you need to and to get some advice what sorts of what sorts of conditions do you find people sending you messages whether it be through my chart or electronically or calling the office are there certain groups of things that seem to be people are calling about more often than not well in general for the cold symptoms when they send a message they're looking for more advice like i tried this or i'm just looking for general what should i do very common question we get even now is uh, can I get an antibiotic for my cold? 
And so some of the questions I ask is how long do you have you had your symptoms? What symptoms you're experiencing? Because as you know, and we all know in the medical community, a lot of these upper respiratory and lower respiratory infections are viral. And so viruses do not respond to antibiotics. Antibiotics are specifically created to target bacterial infections, which aren't these viral infections. So those are sort of some of those common things we have to address. And we still get those nowadays from a variety of patients asking for antibiotics for very common viral illness symptoms. Yeah. Well, and I think it bears reminding folks that there are some dangers of taking antibiotics when it's not necessary. And I know that, you know, for certain bacterial infections, it clearly can be life-saving. But if you overuse antibiotics, there could be some potential dangers. What are some of the warnings that you tell your patients so that they understand that it's, we're not trying to restrict it, we're just trying to make sure that it's, it's helpful and not harmful? Right, absolutely. And, and so some of the things I tell my patients is, number one, your gut, your gut and your skin. You're, you have this amazing microbiome that lives in your gut and in your skin, on your skin. And taking the antibiotic can throw off that balance and can cause things like Clostridium difficile, uh, which is an infectious process due to a um, bacteria that overproduces and produces a toxin. So, and that is associated with antibiotic use. And then also rashes and and just general diarrhea, upset stomach, GI issues that can occur with uh, taking too many antibiotics. So I tell folks, hey, um, you know, if your symptoms are prolonged and you're having more than seven to 10 days of symptoms and you're still having a lot of upper respiratory pressure, congestion, blowing out a lot of yellow-green mucus, and it's been that time frame and you've done sinus rinses and you've taken the over-the-counter meds, definitely contact me because at that point you may want to consider an antibiotic for a superimposed bacterial infection. But if it's been one or two days or five days and I've got the runny nose and and I'm not getting better, can I get an antibiotic? My answer is going to very likely be no because it's a virus. And, again, viruses do not respond to antibiotics. So, Absolutely right. Now, just to confirm, Tamiflu, which we talked about for influenza, that's not an antibiotic, right? That is correct. So Tamiflu is a, a specific antiviral medicine made to fight influenza, and the way it works is it stops the influenza virus from entering the cell. So it, it is very effective for influenza and, and folks that I've used it on because uh, the number of influenza cases, as you can see, um, are on the rise, and we're kind of reaching that 2017-2018 sort of influenza projections that we had. So, um, yeah, Tamiflu works really well for influenza. So if, if somebody calls me and says, hey, um, I have an example of a, 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 I think it was a parent who called and said, hey, my, my kiddo, we confirmed that the kiddo has influenza, and I'm coming down with the same symptoms I'll say, let's start Tamiflu now. I don't need to see you, but the most likely thing you're going to have is influenza based on the story. So that avoids an office visit, and and it's easier for the patient, too. Well, and it keeps 
influenza from entering into your office, literally. And Absolutely. you mentioned, you know, Tamiflu can be used on a preventative basis if you do have a positive exposure and someone's been tested, particularly for parents and children. I mean, it's very hard for parents to say to a sick child, okay, you're sick, stay over there. That just doesn't happen. So they're often going to provide direct contact and care for their children. And you can, if you take it early enough, prevent getting the flu, or if you have symptoms, start to treat it. But the real key is there's a time element here. So if you've had symptoms for seven or eight days, Tamiflu isn't going to do much. You've got to kind of get on top of it early. And if not, then you sometimes just need to ride out the infection. And and if it's definitely influenza, give your body a chance to recover. That is correct. Yeah. Influenza, most likely than not, is self-limiting. So your immune system will fight the infection. But obviously, it does affect quite a number of people. And the mortality, the people that die varies, right? Anywhere from 10,000 to in 2017, 2018, it looks like the peak was about 52,000 in that year. And that was a big influenza year. And then we had 2019, which was very low. And then obviously 2020 and 2021, which influenza was not really circulating because COVID was circulating so much. I think it kind of forced that virus out. And also we were masking and social distancing and not having any fun. So um, that's yeah, very I true. I use Tamiflu prophylactically as well for the for the parents or folks who are taking care of elderly who might not necessarily be able to mask. But if you're elderly and definitely test positive for the flu, I don't we no longer use that 72-hour time frame. If you're still having symptoms and it's day five, I'll put them on Tamiflu still. Now let's talk flu shots because we're talking about treatment, but there is still a chance for prevention. When you talk with folks, can they still get their flu shot? It's still good if you get it like today. Absolutely. So I am. I get my flu shot every year. I already had my flu shot. I had my COVID booster. And I tell people, vaccine will not prevent you from getting sick, but it will prevent you from getting very sick or dying. That's the big takeaway from any COVID vaccine or flu shot is please get your vaccine because the likelihood of you dying when you get vaccinated is much less than if you were unvaccinated. So. Well, and flu shots are still available. So <clears throat> for folks who think, hey, you know, maybe I maybe I don't need to get it this year. I didn't get it last year. We are certainly seeing an increase in the number of cases of flu. And part of that may just be because, like you mentioned earlier, you know, we're having fun. We're, we're gathering. There's events that we go to and there's not a mask mandate. And so because of that, there may be a greater risk of exposure. So consider getting your flu shot if you haven't yet. It is not too late. And we did see a pretty significant amount of influenza on the mainland. And sometimes we echo that. So what happens starts in a wave on the East Coast and makes its way through the Midwest to the West Coast and then comes right here to the islands. So do be aware that we may still hit some of the high notes as far as our influenza cases are concerned. And prevention is, as always, still available and one of the keys. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Yogi Patel about ways to stay well this year and what are some other preventative measures and how do you know when things have gotten so bad it's time for the ER. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Dr. Yogi Patel. He is a Kaiser Permanente family medicine expert, and we're talking today about what do you do if you're sick and you're home, and how do you get tested or treated or contact your doctor, and how do you know if you need to go to the ER? So early on in the show, we talked a little bit about the idea of staying home, and if you do need to contact your doctor because your symptoms are persistent, then there are a variety of options on how to do so. Let's talk about the people who really need to come into the office or go to the ER. You mentioned, Dr. Patel, people who have a hard time breathing or who just don't seem to be able to get over this infection. How do you know when it's bad enough that you should be checked out or maybe go straight to the ER? What sort of guidance do you give your patients? So for my patients, I tell them, if you're having a hard time breathing and you've tried all these different therapies, over-the-counter medicines, if you're on inhalers and you're using your routine prescription medicines and you're still not seeing any improvement, then please come in and be seen so we can see, we try to see them in the clinic. Obviously, if they're really having a hard time breathing, breathing fast, um, then I advise them, okay, maybe it's, you should go to the ER because you might need more um, higher acuity care that's provided in the ER. So it really varies and Really knowing your patients is the big thing, right? Because some, some patients, as you, you probably experienced, will tell you this, and then another patient will tell you the same thing, but what they're trying to relay may be different. So some people can get quite anxious when they get short of breath. And so really knowing your patients is a big part of it. But um, anytime they're short of breath, I tell them, hey, if you're short of breath, you're having a hard time breathing, please come in and be seen, call the advice nurse or go to the ER. That's sort of the, the, the sentence I tell them when I'm talking to them on the phone or when I see them in the office. Yeah, I always worry about the minimizers. You know, it's one thing right. for people who are worried and they want to get checked out and they're okay. But I worry about the folks who never complain because what I've been seeing is when they start to complain, They've got pneumonia or they've got something really serious because you never hear from those folks. They they will tough out just about anything and then something big will happen and maybe they'll call you and maybe they'll say, I feel a little bit of trouble. But boy, I worry about those folks because they, they often are a lot sicker than it seems. And you're right, people who are short of breath and can't catch their breath, if they've used their inhalers, if they've tried all their other remedies and they just seem to be getting worse and they're they're just not improving, that's the kind of person that has to be seen. And the one thing is, you know, you can go to your doctor's office, you can go to urgent care if you don't feel comfortable going to the ER, but those two locations will send you there if you are that sick. So there is the possibility that if even if you come to your doctor's office, you might still be sent to the emergency room if it looks like your oxygen level is low or you really look like you're struggling. So, you know, you can always choose one venue, but do be aware it might be changed if, if you really don't look like you're doing very well with that infection. Are there any physical signs that you tell parents to watch out for for kids? I know that sometimes if kids kind of sound like they're wheezing or they just feel they just they look you can tell by their appearance they're struggling to breathe or they're just looking like right. they're using all of their, their neck muscles to get oxygen. Are there, are there physical signs parents can use to keep an eye on their kids? Because, you know, the other, the other part of the pandemic has been RSV. We started to see a slight decrease in those cases here in the islands, but there's nothing to say. It won't come right back. 
Right. So for the parents, um, any of these viruses, RSV being the one that just uh, peaked in November, I, I tell the parents, look, if your kiddo is sick, especially if they're two years or younger, um, they're sniffling, and if you see them, they're kind of wheezy at nighttime, or they're having a hard time breathing, they're using their belly muscles, or they're breathing fast. Um, number one, the croup is still a thing, right? So a lot of these viruses can cause croup where the airways in kiddos are sort of an inverted uh, traffic cone shape when they're younger, and as they get older, they become more of a cylinder. But um, some of these viruses will end up causing croup where they have strider and they're breathing fast. So we tell parents, hey, uh, you know, if you have a refrigerator, open up the, the freezer door, cold air, or steam up the bathroom and get some humid air. See if that helps with the breathing. If it doesn't call, um, or if you're starting to change color or they're breathing really fast and you feel like they're, they're not responding very well, call 911 or go to the ER because those kiddos can breathe fast for a long time but then start turning real bad fast. So I, that's what I typically tell parents is watch out for croup. And if they're looking like they're, they're struggling a lot and they've been struggling for a while, please, please seek immediate care. Absolutely. You know, kids sometimes play and they look good until they don't. And then you right. have a limited yeah. window of opportunity there to really help them to get over whatever the infection may be. Now, when you see folks in your office, do you talk with them about, you know, some of the other routine vaccinations, make sure that everybody stays up to date? Because, boy, I know you mentioned about delayed care earlier in the show, and I know that a lot of folks did not necessarily keep up with all their vaccinations just because they weren't coming into the office at the same time intervals. So it's another another reason for people to take a look at their vaccination record and see if maybe they've missed a couple. So while they're well, make sure they catch up on those in the meantime. Uh, I do. So um, in our system, we have a good way to close care gaps and, and look and patients can see what they're due for. So it's interesting because I have a lot of patients uh, send me messages, and and the, the, it's funny because the messages actually really pertain to vaccines that are directly marketed to our patients through commercials. So funny enough, I get a lot of questions and requests for the shingles vaccine or uh, the PCV20 vaccine, the pneumonia vaccine, because those are directly marketed to consumers. So those those are sort of pique the interest of patients and say, can I get this vaccine and when can I get it and things like that. Um, but we do try to catch up our kiddos and, and our, our any of our patients for vaccines that are overdue. Uh, there is a lot of vaccine fatigue out there and I can understand that. Um, just keeping track of the COVID vaccines alone, uh, it's just remarkable how many different vaccine types and, and, and uh, the shot schedules there are. But uh, yeah, I, I do keep up with that. And just to add on something, um, when I do see kiddos with fevers, um, not every single fever is an upper respiratory infection. So I had a, a friend of mine who um, who her four-year-old daughter was having fevers and fevers, and she did COVID home antigen tests, and that you can buy these COVID home PCR tests that you can do. All were negative, but the kiddo kept having fevers, and she ended up having a UTI. So um, not every single fever is due to a cold, so just something for parents to keep in mind as well. 
What an excellent piece of advice, because it is cold and flu season, so of course we might assume that there's a respiratory infection involved, but there could be something else. So another really good reminder for everybody. Uh, I do want to emphasize, if you're sick, first thing you said, stay home. Try not to spread that infection to other people. But if you're not getting better, there are some new developments in the home kit arena. And if you get really sick, do make sure you contact your provider. I want to thank you, Dr. Yogi Patel, for really putting all of that in perspective for us and helping us to deal with this cold and flu season. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show, directly from Kaiser Permanente Family Medicine Department, Dr. Yogi Patel. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chung. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. And we will see you right here next week when we talk more about ways to stay healthy and well as we are about to start the new year. All right. We'll see you then and every Monday right here on The Body Show. 